Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. You are listening to The Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBTQ stories. I am your curator, Karis Bradley. Uh, welcome to The Coming Out Tapes. Uh, we are talking to you this evening from the bowels of Oxford <laughs> University. We are uh, literally in the basement. There is some kind of military experiment taking place. I don't know what you're trying to create in the other room, um, but it's all very sciencey. Um, and I am joined uh, by Dr. Clara. Clara. Clara, Clara yep. Barker. Um, so, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah. Hi. So, uh, I'm Clara Barker. I'm a material scientist at the University of Oxford in the materials department. I manage the Centre for Applied Superconductivity, where we make high temperature superconductors. Hopefully, with a bit of luck. Um, I've been a thin film material scientist for about 15 years, something along those lines, um, having done a postdoc and PhD kind of around the world. Um, I came to Oxford three and a half years ago um, because I saw a job and um, it seemed like a good job. So I, I came here and um, I've no intention of moving at all, uh, none whatsoever. Um, I also, uh, I'm a transgender uh, woman, 
um, a woman, but with a trans history, if you will. Um, and I uh, identify my sexuality is kind of the pansexual region, although I'm kind of, I have a dog, so I don't really worry about sexuality anymore. <laughs> What's your dog called? Taylor. What kind of dog is Taylor? She's a pug. I got a, yeah, I, uh, we took her in about eh, six months ago and uh, life has changed now. Amazing. <laughs> is she well behaved? Yes, yes. She's, she's fairly well behaved. <laughs> um, so you said that you are a woman uh, with a trans history. So what, what, is, what is that phrasing? Like, how did you come to define yourself using that phrasing? It, at the moment, I feel like there's an awful lot of gender politics going on in the UK worldwide, and it makes it kind of difficult. I would be quite happy to identify as a trans woman, but I know that if I do so, um, some people will use that to exclude me from women's spaces because I'm not a woman, I'm a trans woman. So um, it's always the terminology is kind of evolving, and sometimes it's just trying to make sure that no one can trip you up with your terms and you're always we're always shifting and changing what we say and so at the moment for me I want to identify as transgender for me that's a very important part of who I am it's a very important part of what I do at the moment I uh, I do a lot of campaigning and work with young people so identifying as transgender is very important um, but then I'm also a woman and um, it's also important at the moment that we we fight for the integration of trans rights into women's rights, as, as it is with trans rights into men's rights, but that's not quite so active a debate the, <laughs> at the moment. Um, so, you, uh, so do you feel as if you're having to like double identify yourself or is it like purely like a way that you have to articulate it to people who maybe aren't trying to understand it in the same way? Yeah, it's, it is... Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm just having to identify in a way that won't trip me up, that won't, that other people won't pick holes in. Um, it would be nice to be able to just freely identify myself however I want, but I don't really think that that's the climate at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> Do you see a difference between, like, so for you, when you talk about how you identify, is that like how you articulate to other people what your gender is? Um, and do you think that how you see yourself is different because you're having to jump through those hoops? It definitely means that I'm always questioning sort of nearly everything I say, and depending on the situation and where I am. Um, sometimes, you know, I will edit thoughts that I have, which can be very difficult um, for me. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> uh, it can be, yeah. And especially... I've, I've kind of built up something of a reputation that, you know, news outlets will get in touch with me and I've done various news interviews and stuff like that. And it's always about being trans. It's never about being a scientist, unfortunately. Um, and so because I've kind of defined this sort of persona of it was, not that it's an act, but it's it's definitely aspects of who I am and I've just chosen to sort of bring them to the forefront and so there um I, I try and yeah I feel like I have to think about what I say to make sure that I don't go off brand as it were which is kind of crazy when you're just talking about your life a little bit <laughs> yeah that sounds really do you have to like keep notes 
I don't. I'm I'm sure that I could be tripped up by anyone paying real attention to me, but uh, luckily they don't pay attention enough to me, I guess. <laughs> um, so you, and then you define as pansexual? Yes. Um, so what does that word mean to you? It's um, pansexual for me, um, I would say that rather than sort of um, fancy males and females, I, I, I like feminine people. I like feminine. I don't care whether they're and that anatomically male or female it's the personality the person that i like admittedly style and looks and things come into that a little bit so like say it's the feminine side and um, that i like but i don't really care who the person is other than that and to be honest if i get on with someone and i click with someone then i'm not gonna let anything get in my way like gender or sex <laughs> Um, and is uh, is pansexual like the first word that you've used to uh, like describe your sexuality, or have you used other words? I would. That's really difficult. I've always um, so I've always I been attracted to feminine people, and therefore I always kind of assumed that that was female people. So when I was identifying as male, I identified as straight. When I first transitioned to becoming. Um, a woman I started identifying as lesbian but actually I realized that that term didn't quite fit um so that was an evolution um as time went on definitely um so do you remember like did you have was it all like a like a gradual process where your sort of like sexuality evolved as you uh, or the words that you use changed as you had like a greater understanding or do you remember was there like a person that you saw and you were like ah now I understand what it is uh, it wasn't one particular person no it, it was more an understanding of terminology and it was an understanding um, I never really identified as bisexual um, I don't know other people would probably argue it differently but to me it wasn't male or female it was masculinity or femininity which maybe pansexual isn't quite the right word other people would argue but for me I never I wasn't attracted to manly men I wasn't attracted to manly females even so um before I transitioned straight felt like the closest term and then as I grew older pansexual kind of became more the prevalent term um and I think that's probably evolved a little bit as my I mean my terminology for my gender identity has definitely evolved as well I started out feeling that maybe I was a transvestite and then I was androgynous these days I would have said gender fluid but I didn't necessarily have those words at the time um and you know that moved on and changed as I grew and finally identified as transgender given the amount of thought that you had to put into like what words you say um, to describe things and then also this interesting like way that uh, you have changed the, the words that you use to describe your sexuality do you think you like how does having a word that fits or doesn't fit like what how does that change or affect in any way like the relationship that you have with with that aspect of your identity it's interesting that a lot of the justification I do isn't because of my identities as such it's more um the fact that i'm quite open and public about this and it's more trying to change public perception so for me i'm quite happy you know it's i, I feel that i have to articulate myself differently for the persona more than anything else i'm 
I'm actually a lot more chilled out than that. And, you know, in some ways, in some ways, I'm absolutely not. But uh, yeah, one of those frustrating things that like just because you spend more than five minutes thinking about it, everyone thinks that you're like obsessed with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So so do you think that there's like a disconnect between when you're doing that kind of like practical, like a lot of the stuff that you do is really educational um, between that and then like your private self? Um, at the moment, I feel like um, the, the, the public me is kind of overtaking the private me. I don't feel like there's all that much of it at the moment. Um, I, I try and take time for myself, but also there's certain um, campaigns and activities that I'm involved in that I'm passionate and I care. So I don't necessarily get to switch off all that often, maybe. Um, it probably comes out when I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a I'm a um, dungeon master, so I just have a million different personas that sort of come out in the space of four hours on a Friday night, possibly over some alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so you're well practiced at switching. Yes. Amazing. My accents are atrocious, by the way. Every single one of them. Uh, I will not ask you to do any of them. Crow is the worst. <laughs> So when did you start using these these kind of words to describe your uh, your sexuality and, and your gender? Yeah, um, I think with my sexuality, that's just kind of um, a by part of who I am. I don't necessarily pay as much attention. The words for my gender identity have been a lot more important and had a lot more impact on my life. Um, I grew up in the... I was born in the 70s, just. Um, So I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And so we didn't have the internet. We didn't have terminology. Uh, Terminology's changed a lot in the last five years. So growing up, I just, there weren't any transgender role models. Um, You just didn't see it on TV. Uh, For me, I remember seeing a a transsexual prostitute on a show uh, about prostitution in Turkey. And that was the closest person I could identify for a very, very long time. So for years, I had fantasies of running off to Turkey, which is not necessarily great in hindsight, but that was the closest person I could identify to. So I took on this idea of transsexuality, but it always seemed like more of a fantasy and a dream than something I could really attain. Um, Towards the end of the 90s, I started with the you know the advent of the internet and the the growth of the internet definitely i started reading more stories and at that point i realized that there were clubs for people who identified at various levels of trans could go to so then i had i gained the ability somewhere to go but it also gave me the ability to use words to describe myself rather than just feeling like i was a one-off odd person um, it actually gave me a sense of belonging, having those terms to use. So kind of um, grew. But then for a very long time, I think because of my scientific career, I wanted to put the whole thought of my gender identity on on away. I just wanted to put it to the back. So then for me, it was easier to identify as androgynous, to just neither, nothing. It was just me, um, a goth and nothing else almost. Um a phase I haven't quite grown out of. 
uh, ever since my, Hence I was 16. killer earrings. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I work hard on the earrings. Yeah, um, yeah. so that I, I kind of put all that on the back burner, really. Um, it was only, there was a certain point where I started talking to more trans people for various reasons, and then my gender identity became more important. I started to realise that I had to pay attention to my... Um, gender dysphoria and, and transition was something that I needed to do. So why did you feel like within science when you were pursuing your academic career that you like had to put it aside? In 13 years that I was working at the time it was about 13 years um, it was 13 years when I decided that I was I was definitely transgender I'd met one out gay person that was the only LGBT people that I'd met was one person. So you couldn't help but sort of draw a correlation between there's no trans people, there's no LGBT people, therefore you're not allowed in science, you're not allowed in engineering. Um, my first degree was actually engineering and I worked in industry for a few years, which was a very masculine, um, homophobic, sexist environment. So I just assumed that when I transitioned, I would be kicked out of the sciences. And I I actually kept hold of that for a very long time. When I finally started to transition, I didn't tell anyone. I was medically transitioning for a while without telling anyone. Um, and then I applied for and had the money together to do a conversion course in a completely different field. This was after I'd been doing four years of postdoc work as a material scientist. I just... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I had my backup. I had a second career, and I just assumed that it was all over. 
when I did come out, no one cared. No one cared. No one batted an eyelid. Everyone that I've talked to from all those years was absolutely fine with it, um, which was um, a bit of a disappointment, you know, <laughs> like some sort of fuss. But everyone just got on with it. And, and that was a really interesting thing to me that, it was my perception of science because I didn't have those role models that made me think I couldn't come out. And that's why I'm kind of passionate about sort of trying to be visible as a scientist and sort of make sure that other people know that actually there are some of us out there. Um, so do you remember the first person that you came out to? Was it a si- another scientist? The When it comes to... Yeah, yeah. when I came out, um, I actually probably came out first to a couple of my best friends. Once I had everything in place and I knew what I was and it wasn't the various phases, it's kind of where I'm at now um, as a trans woman. Uh, I came out to a couple of friends via email, my two best friends at the time. Uh, I knew that they wouldn't judge me, but the idea of coming out was still quite a scary thing. Um, Plus, I was living in a different country. Um, I was a postdoc in Switzerland for four years and that was where I started transitioning and um, private healthcare meant that I could see people fast in this country. Unfortunately, transition is a much slower, um, it's a project, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't see my friends very often and I actually hid myself away from pretty much everyone. So I first came out to my friends and they were fine with it. They didn't really care. They just um, got on with it. And then I knew once I'd had that little bit of a push, I needed that little confidence, um, that little confidence boost first. And then I knew that I needed to come out to the most important person that was my mother. Um, And so she was the first person that I told um, face to face and uh, yeah it was very nerve-wracking but I, I designed it that when I went back to the UK and um, to stay with her I told her on the first night and um, she was great and really supportive and really fantastic I'm very lucky in that regard but um, and it kind of made me wonder why I'd been so worried for so many years. I mean, I was in my 30s at that point, you know. <laughs> was there anything that your mum said that you remember, like, particularly made you feel like she was there to support you? Um, I think my mother's quite open-minded, so I think she always knew about um, trans people. Uh, But I think that there was still quite a lot to take in. I'd hidden it from her pretty well for a very, very long time. So I think that mostly she was just, you know, surprised. Um, But, you know, she said, oh, you know, I don't care. It's up to you. I just love you, whatever. And it was just it was just acceptance and the ability to be able to just get on and have a chat afterwards that um, that was really nice. I think the the funniest thing, my mother said this, and so did a whole bunch of my friends, um, because I'd been medically transitioning for a while, like my figure had changed a little. Um, you know, there were certain changes to my face. My face was thinner and things like that. I lost a lot of muscle mass. So everyone thought that I was sick. 
because they didn't know why I was losing all this weight and changing. So like, I think the thing that stands out for most people is, oh God, I thought you were sick. I'm so, I'm so relieved, which was, which was really sweet. <laughs> um, so you said that you like, so uh, you went through these like stages of, of identifying with mm. androgyny and then um, looking into like other types of things. And then the journey sort of concluded when you, um, identified as as a trans woman Mm. but you didn't tell anyone until that point so why do you think that you waited until then and didn't because all of those other stages like they sound like quite difficult things to to deal with why do you think that you waited until you got to the point in the journey that you're at now the biggest thing for me was that I didn't necessarily trust my own decision I didn't trust my own mind I thought that I still had these this preconception that I wasn't really trans, that it was just a fantasy in my head that I was somehow deluded. Um, and for me, the, the big thing in accepting that was seeing a specialist um, therapist, basically. Um, it was quite funny. I was... I had a friend in Switzerland who was um, starting to transition and I said to them, oh, I'm not interested in transitioning at all. I don't want medical transition. You know, I'm, I'm a transvestite. I'm a crossdresser. I'm happy with that. And it was only when I said the words out loud that I realized that it was a complete and utter lie. So, um, and just by me saying that out loud to someone, that really sort of made me think, okay, maybe it's not. What was nice about that was, of course, I emailed them like the next day and said this. And uh, they said, here's my therapist, you know. And so I was able to talk to that person. And um, being able to talk to a therapist who has an understanding of these things, and they said, no, it isn't a fantasy. It's not a delusion. You are trans. That was a really big uh, thing for me that allowed me to accept who I was. And once I accepted who I was, it wasn't actually that hard to let, to tell other people Um I think it was just that I always held back myself and I didn't trust my own judgment. Um, Do you, like, do you look back at those times and think that, like, maybe it had to happen in that way or or are there times where you wish that you had, like, in terms of, like, role models, do you think things would have been different or is that, like, not something that you really think about? Um, I mean, I don't want to change my life um i made a lot of friends that you know things were different i wouldn't have met them um but at the same time you know i do wonder there was there was possibly a few times when i had enough understanding of being trans that i tried to talk to people that i tried to let them in um but i i could never quite get over that hump um so weirdly enough like pretty much all my ex-girlfriends said oh yeah no that was obvious when I told them that I was trans um and a lot of people say oh yeah in hindsight of course the clues are all there the comments um again uh, my my best friend I actually at uh, one night when I was really struggling with my gender identity I I told him I was gay because for some reason that felt easier than saying I was trans I don't know why, but it did. Maybe it was because it wasn't true that it made it easier. Um, and uh, he knew I had a lot of girlfriends and that was, and he knew that I wasn't gay. He knew that that wasn't true. So 
and he just sort of laughed and said no that's not it but you know we didn't really carry on talking after that it was just very interesting that i you know i i uh i i backed out of saying i was trans and chose to say i was gay instead <laughs> so, um, which i think a lot of people listening to me who are cis and gay are saying really that's weird but for me just like say it's all about accepting myself and i think it was still easier to tell a lie than tell the truth um yeah i so because this the the were you, were you attracted to like men at all yeah no not really yeah. uh that, that was the weird thing i mean i i was i was an experimental youth and we i had a very liberal uh, group of friends um we always used to go out in the the gay village in Manchester, which is where I grew up. Um, and a big part of that was that I knew that I could wear eyeliner and dresses and no one would bat an eyelid. Um, so it was more about the safety of that area rather than the actual culture itself. Like, I mean, there, there's not many bars and clubs on Canal Street in Manchester that I like the music in. I want to go to a rock club. I want to hear metal or punk. So musically i wasn't really into it but it still felt like a safe place where i could sort of experiment um and so i mean that was another thing i had lots of gay friends and it was it wasn't an issue at all um but that also meant that i was able to consider am i gay am i not and i was i was pretty open to that possibility and i knew that i wasn't so i just didn't quite have the fit and like i say it's only maybe in the last few years that I've really come to understand that it's not men or women it's masculine or feminine that I'm attracted to yeah okay so uh you came out to your friends then you came out to your your mum and and you've had to come out to lots of people um through the media and then also your job and and all of the activism that you you do um do you have any particularly memorable stories of coming out I think there's one memorable one for me uh, one that makes me laugh the when I came out to my mum, the next day I went to um, Edinburgh. Um, my my plan was I was going to um, tell my mum, give her a few days to come to terms or think about it, and then come back and see her. Uh, and so I went to see my friend in Edinburgh, and I'd asked her to... Um, she was a tattoo artist, and I asked her to give me this uh, tattoo. So we were in the cafe before we were going to do it. And she said to me, oh, because um, she worked in a tattoo shop in Edinburgh. They During the fringe, they used to get offered free tickets. And so she's like, look, I just got offered a couple of tickets for the ladyboys of Bangkok tonight. Do you want to go? And I was like, sure, let's go there. <laughs> and then... Over the next half an hour, she started asking me what my tattoo was, and it was a key. It was a it's a gender key, and for me, it was all about the ability to change from male to female. It's from a comic called Lock and Key, and she was like, "Oh, that's an interesting choice of tattoo. Why is that?" And then I told her that I was transitioning, and she's like, "Oh, do we? Do you still want to go and see the Lady <laughs> Boys of Bangkok? Is that a bit?" I was like, "Ah, oh, sod it. We'll go. It'll be fun." Is it a good show? Um, yeah, it was tacky as all get out, but it was it was kind of fun. We were the dark drunk goths at the back, um, just sort of cackling at the environment more than anything else. Um, did your friend do either of the tattoos that are on your 
These ones on my arms uh, are actually done by a local artist near Oxford. Um, I used to live near the tattoo studio and she came in after a little while. And yeah, I love her water style. I was going to say the colours are amazing. Yeah, um, I've been going into that tattoo shop for about a year and a half before she started working there. And she's had a lot of my money since, which is why I'm always skint. Okay, so uh, final question. Uh, what does coming out mean to you? Coming out to me was, it was all about acceptance. It was all about accepting who I was. Um, for a long time, I suspected I was trans or whatever, but it wasn't until I said those words out loud to other people that it almost felt like I cemented it in. So there were certain levels of people that when I told them, they cemented it in a little bit more. So, um, and it, partially felt like it was something that I couldn't escape from it meant that you've got to go forward so it was a catalyst for me living my life and being myself and that was really important and if I hadn't been telling other people I wonder how long it would have been that I was hiding away from that and so yeah to me it was all like just finally accepting myself and being able to admit that to other people Thank you so much for listening. Um, you've been listening to me, Karis Bradley. I'd like to say a couple of thank yous to the other people who've worked on this project. So Alex Lathbridge, who has helped with the hosting of the podcast and also the compiling of, of the music that you've heard um, and to Scary Boots for creating our incredible artwork. Please subscribe, review, tell your friends, spread the word. Um, and if you want to get involved and be interviewed on the podcast, then there's a link um, on the website and in the bio of our, our Twitter. So there's a little form that you can fill out. I hope you have a lovely day. Um, just to do like a little bit of bonus material for after the credits. Yeah. Given that you um, do so much like activism and visibility stuff to help other people, do you have any like advice or resources for people who might listen to this and then want to start that process? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of really good resources out there for trans people. There's um, things like Mermaids is a good resource and uh, Gendered Intelligence, Stonewall have a lot of information um, I think for me, the biggest thing was finding people on YouTube that I related to. So there was a lot of trans people on YouTube, but there was some that I related to. And of course, my youth group has fantastic resources uh, that I put together. What is your youth group? <laughs> my youth group is called Topaz, and it's for young LGBT people in Oxfordshire. And also we have a support group for parents of young LGBT people in Oxfordshire as well. Where can people find out about Topaz? Um, the website's probably the easiest place. So it's www.topazoxford.org.uk. That's a brand new um, URL, so I'm just getting okay. used to it. <laughs> well, uh, you should just be able to click on the word Topaz in the uh, description for this podcast and that will take you to the website. Brilliant. Thanks. Great. <laughs> 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.